Welcome to Breaking Cyber Barriers. I'm your host, Liz Faginas, cybersecurity recruiter, certified executive coach, trusted advisor, and partner of Philip Madison, a woman-known cybersecurity search firm with over 20 years of experience. My podcast will delve into the world of cybersecurity, uncovering trends and exploring its limitless potential. So join me to hear how industry leaders share their experiences and strategies for success. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Today, I am very proud to have as my guest, Paul Padgett, who is the CEO of Black Kite. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Liz. Paul and I have known each other for quite a few years, and uh, to give you a little bit about his background, Paul has been driving the growth strategy and brand at Black Kite since 2019 from its early stage into the number one recommended company in the security rating space. And prior to Black Kite, Paul was Chief Executive Officer of Pawnee Express, where he transformed the company into the world's first SaaS IoT threat detection player. And other past positions Paul has held include being the Chief Executive Officer of Savant Protection, now part of Digital Guardian, Fortra, and Core Security Technologies, also part of Fortra. And Paul has also served in executive leadership roles with Baltimore Technology, GTE Cybertrust, which is now Horizon. Today, Paul is going to discuss supply chain attacks and some of the risks and how we can manage them. So I'm excited to get into this and, and get your perspective question for you is, why has the supply chain been traditionally hard to manage in terms of cyber risk? Right. Well, it's a great way to sort of come at this because we're used to supply chain risk on other dimensions, you know, the quality of products, uh, human rights issues, you know, who makes the t-shirts, is it child labor, credit risk factors, uh, all kinds of things that are fairly mature ways of understanding risk with supply chain. Certainly the pandemic taught us about uh, how supply chains can become disrupted, but cyber is a little more elusive. I mean, what we're seeing today is the cybersecurity professionals are having to deal with ransomware that's hitting not just their own organization, but in more cases than not, the supply chain, right? If I can disrupt the people that make the cans for the soup, I can't deliver the soup. And so it's really that simple, right? If uh, we service a uh, large aircraft manufacturer, if you can't get the bolts for the, the engines, they're not going on the wings. Yeah. So the adversaries have figured out it's much easier to attack the supply chain because it's a little less visible to the mothership, uh, but it's vulnerable. And it generally doesn't have the same level of security. Smaller companies don't have the same sophistication with cybersecurity uh, defense capabilities as the big companies do. And and that's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing that 90% of the ransomware is companies of less than 100 million in sales. So the concern really is cyber disruption for suppliers, vendors, third parties. People use different names, but they're all essentially the organizations that help big brand names deliver their goods and services. And when you look underneath the covers, there's hundreds or thousands of companies that uh, that make up uh, the products or services of a big brand name that you might recognize. So it's uh, it's an elusive problem, but it's something we have to get our hands around. 
Very interesting. I wasn't aware of the larger companies versus, you know, the small mid-sized organizations. So that's interesting. So what would you say to someone who argued that the security of a supplier is their problem and not something you can control? Well, um, get over that idea <laughs> and go back to the two examples we just gave. You know, if you can't get your product to market or you can't deliver your service, being a, you know, hospital operation, a, a university, um, a retail operation, you know, we think of these in terms of goods, but also services. If that gets disrupted, the customer doesn't necessarily know that uh, you were dependent on somebody else and your suppliers and contractors and, and so on. They don't know. They, all they know is, hey, um, I couldn't get whatever it was I was looking for from your organization today. And they hold you accountable. And boards understand this really, really well. Traditionally, cybersecurity professionals have been focused on their internal security. And they really never had responsibility for third parties. The third parties and the suppliers came in through manufacturing or the buyers. Um, and they'd fill out forms to say, hey, we're secure. We do all the right things. We follow these good practices. But there was no real oversight or investigation or ver verification that these suppliers were secure. And, and so today, the boards uh, and the leadership inside of the large brands that we know are asking their cybersecurity teams, what about our risk posture with these suppliers? Are we vulnerable? Or even worse, they find out because they get compromised. So everybody's getting over sort of the idea that, well, it's not my job. <laughs> it is. It's a good thing that the boards are aware and becoming more aware and more educated on that level as well. So I like hearing that. That's, that's great. So how do we manage supply chain cyber risks and attacks? Well, if you're a cybersecurity team, you own the assets, you own the network, you have visibility, total visibility all the way to the end users that sign on to your systems. Um, so you can essentially track everything. And you're used to having that level of control, right? If somebody is not, uh, the machine's not compliant, they can just turn it off. But when you're dealing with third parties, you don't own their network, you don't control their network, and you're not inside their network. So it's important to have the ability to monitor those third parties from the outside uh, without intruding into their own businesses because you don't, it's not your business, right? So you have to have some way to illuminate the risk, to see the risk across these suppliers without sort of, uh, you know, interfering in their, in their operations, right? Mm -hmm. But you're looking for the signals that say, hey, we have an exposure here. You know, what, what an example might be, they're coming into your system as a user but maybe the username and password is shared am among a lot of people, right? So you got to make sure that just like you might with your own users, make sure that they have good, you know, uh, passwords and so on, that they, and they use two-factor authentication. You do the same thing, right? You know, they, they may have poor cyber hygiene, but you have things on your end you can do to avoid, uh, you know, getting impacted by anything that might go wrong with them. For example, like it's just a simple process of ordering a product um, or billing, right? You order from a supplier 
they ship to you, they bill you. So there are systems talking to each other on either end. Just make sure that you're comfortable with those connections, who's on the other end of that, um, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, you put VPNs in place for your users. Why wouldn't you do the same thing on those systems? So you don't have friction in the business, right? Everybody's trying to go at the speed of light, it seems, these days with everything. But you still have to have some discipline with the way systems get accessed and so on. So you can do a lot from your end. You can see a lot about third parties, suppliers from the outside. They're just as as exposed to the internet as, as you are. So anything that the adversaries can see, you can see as well. So you just have to make sure you have those capabilities in place. So what trends are you seeing in supply chain cyber risk? Well, um, in the biggest sort of way third-party cyber supply chain risk was dealt with was if you wanted to be a supplier or contractor to a bigger organization, you would fill out the paperwork, right? You'd fill out uh, who your company is, the credit information, and you would you would answer questions about your cybersecurity. Simple enough. Mm -hmm. But that's really, all you're doing is mimicking the policies that you have, which should be good and, and acceptable to the supplier. And everybody checks the box and says, yeah, we do all the right things. We change our passwords, our networks are patched, on and on and on. We have good discipline. Okay, fine. We want to do business with good companies. That all gets done at the assessment up front. That's how it gets done today. But very few companies are monitoring their suppliers. Uh, and so the big move today is to move in that direction. Think about it, right? They monitor the inventory. And you can even download an app. You can see how many... Items are on the shelf at the, your favorite uh, home fix-it store. Mm -hmm. You have that level of visibility, um, and it's real time, right? So why wouldn't you monitor the, the cyber security? Just like you monitor uh, your home, your business with a security system. So that's the big trend is, is organizations get the problem. They're, they're paying the ransom, and, and the ransomware guys are doing just fine. The ransomware is exploding. So until that starts to go down, uh, you know, it, it, we haven't really solved this problem. But that's the big trend is everybody's trying to figure, okay, how do we get our arms around this? I Know who your suppliers are. Know who they buy from, right? Gets even a little more complicated because just because you buy parts from one supplier, one distributor, doesn't mean those parts came from someplace else, right? So what about that business? And you're, And all these businesses are connected. So um, it's easy to say this stuff, but it's really hard to uh, get your arms around it. But this is where we see budget moving, um, initiatives moving in this direction. And think of it this way. If you, you go back, you know, over the last 10, 15 years, organizations have outsourced a lot of the functions that they used to do in-house. When you outsource it, you can't say, well, I don't have to worry about the cybersecurity anymore. You, okay, fine. You got the benefits of outsourcing things, but now, uh, you know, what about the cybersecurity? So they, they got the savings maybe from outsourcing, um, but with it still comes the security responsibility. So I think that's the big thing. Everybody's aware of that. And then they're trying to, you know, just like any other big organization, well, who's in charge, you know, who's responsible, where's the budget. And it's a combination of risk officers, CFOs, uh, chief security officers, and the reality is the risk generally belongs with the financial organization or the vendor management people. But the only people that understand the cyber 
risk and, and can interpret the signals are cybersecurity professionals. So it's coming back to the CISOs. Interesting how things have evolved. As you said, you know, you have suppliers, you have to look at the whole big picture here. Well, I mean, you talked about we've known each other for a long time. If you go back, because I'm really going to date myself now, is that um, when users first got computers in large companies, they were not considered part of IT's responsibility. They were just off buying their own computers. That's how it happened. Uh -huh. But today, you know, you can't turn a computer on inside of a company without going through the process and all the discipline that's involved to keep that asset safe and to make sure you're the right person and all that. This is no different. When that transition happened from centralized computers to, you know, computers on desktops and phones in people's pockets, et cetera, that whole decentralization of IT, it's the same thing. It's really the same challenge that business processes have been decentralized and manufacturing has been outsourced. So security has to catch up with that. So maybe this is a question that you've already answered, but at what point in the relationship, you know, should a risk or security professional be asking questions about risk? Uh, well, I don't think it's anybody that doesn't do some level of due diligence up front. You know, a lot of the other risk dimensions, for example, financial, it only changes once a month. You know, credit ratings change once a month. Cyber can change overnight. I mean, it can change in a second. And so having some capability of monitoring is really where it needs to go. But you can tie the questions and the responsibility to the contract, right? So, for example, if somebody says uh, users have, you know, hardened passwords, two-factor authentication, uh, et cetera, et cetera, but then all of a sudden there's a, a leak of the credentials from that company on the dark web. All of a sudden, 100 emails and passwords from a particular company that you're doing business with are leaked on the, the dark web. Well, A, you might want to know about that. Um, B, they might want to know about that. Sometimes these organizations don't even know what happened. So monitoring that becomes critical. And then having a process you know, to deal with it and holding them accountable. And so what we see CISOs doing is they're putting it right into the contract. So whatever uh, we're going to hold you accountable for in terms of an upfront assessment, then we're going to hold you accountable to maintain that level. It's, it's no different than if you said, okay, we're buying the cans or the bolts, um, we're buying the cans for the soup. There's a certain level of quality that you expect in those products, right? And, and you, you continually test to maintain. Now, probably doesn't change that often, but with cyber it does. And so it's not just measuring and monitoring it, but it's holding them accountable. What do you see as the biggest challenges today in supply chain attacks? Uh, to stop them. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, the trend is in the wrong direction, Liz. And it's, the data that we look at, there isn't a week that goes by without some major third-party strike. And there's a lot we don't see. There's a lot that happens because it goes unreported. That's right. A good example is you know, we've seen manufacturing companies where the order entry system was frozen. Well, now you can't process an order. I mean, your manual system's are long gone, right? You know? uh, so you're down. So what do you do? You pay the money to get out of it. And the more we pay the money, it's just like, you know, it's like we're reinforcing the behavior of the bad guys. So they just come back for more. 
And I think it's going to take us a few years to get ahead of this. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take probably the next two or three years, in my view, to get ahead of this. This has never happened to me, but if someone is attacked in ransomware, so they pay, okay, do they get all everything back after that process? Good question. There's ransomware companies that pride themselves on we're a good bad guy. You pay us, we have a track record of giving you the keys back. So those organizations are, are now very sophisticated. When that question gets asked, how do we know you're going to give us the keys back? They said, oh, we're five-star rated bad guy. And they, they can actually prove it. Now, the other thing that's changing relative to this is the insurance companies who've been paying the ransom are changing their approach to this as well. So that you can't just say, well, sorry, we get breached. You know, we have to cough up the ransom. They're now holding the company they sell the insurance to to be responsible for the suppliers and the breach. In other words, if they haven't put in the proper user identification systems and so on, then maybe they're not going to pay the insurance claim. You know, So everybody's getting smarter about this. It's not just pressure coming from boards and customers, but it's coming from uh, the insurance companies. That's probably... The most pressure is coming from them. The easy way out was to just put in a claim and have them pay the claim. And uh, and that's, that's changing fast. Wow. It's complicated, that's for sure. <laughs> is there anything else you would like to add before we close? No, I, I appreciate the uh, the time to share these thoughts with you. And, uh, and there is, I mean, obviously, Black Kite and other companies are involved with solving this problem. So that's uh, one of the reasons... And I was excited to join your podcast. And so, you know, help is out there. And uh, the companies that are forward-leaning on this have solved it. They're beyond. They're on the other side of the trend right now. So um, there's a way out of this. Thank you so much, Paul. You know, I wish you all the best. Continued luck with Black Kite. It, it sounds like you've done an absolutely fantastic job, which you always do. And it's been such a pleasure having you as a guest and getting your insight and input on supply chain. So that was extremely valuable. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Liz. Always nice to talk to you. Appreciate it. So that's a wrap. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time.